Hello, Grace Community Church. Uh, thank you for the warm welcome that you have given us. Uh, I would like to thank all the pastors of the church and for giving me this opportunity. Uh, I remember the first time uh, when the team from your church came. I think that was about 23 years back. Uh, the first time I met Pastor Greg and some people from your church. And it's been a long journey. It's been a very enjoyable journey of uh, friendship and fellowship. And your church has always been a big supporter of our ministries. You have been praying for us. You have helped us out financially as well. So thank you for all uh, that you have done for us and for our nation. Uh, now uh, it's time to go into God's word. Uh, I remember the first time about a month back when Pastor Greg asked me uh, if I would be willing to preach. And when he asked me, I didn't look at the passage and I just said yes. And then I opened the passage to actually read what it was and I thought, oh no, what have I gotten myself into? <laughs> but anyway, thank you for this opportunity. Uh, James is a very interesting book. Uh, as we all know, uh, the letter that James, uh, this letter has been written by James, who is the half-brother of Jesus. Uh, he had the same mother and father, but not the father, because as you all know. And uh, as we know, James was not a believer in Jesus while Jesus uh, was on earth. It was only after his death and resurrection that James came to believe on Jesus. And now he is writing this letter to the Jewish Christians who were dispersed all throughout the Roman Empire uh, because of persecution in Jerusalem. And we, uh, this letter, if we read, it's uh, basically he's talking about how our faith should be uh, seen in our works. A good our faith should produce good works. That's the main theme of the letter. And we read like in chapter 1, he talks about uh, not just being readers of the word, but being doers of the word. He talked about how we need to care for the orphan and the needy. In chapter 2, he talks about how we are not supposed to show partiality between rich and poor. Uh, chapter 3, he talks about taming our tongue. But then when we come to chapter 4, he talks more about worldliness among believers and how that worldliness is seen in different ways. And the passage just preceding this one, he talks about uh, rich people who make plans without taking God into consideration. And that's a sign of worldliness. And he warns them that, no, that's not how you should be planning. And that leads into our passage today. And the passage that we have today, uh, it's kind of a very harsh passage. Uh, there's no call to repentance. It's kind of, uh, he's actually talking like a prophet of the Old Testament times. In the Old Testament times, the prophets would uh, come out and speak against the evil that the people were doing. And that's the kind of language that James uses in this passage. But there is no call to repentance. It's just kind of a call to judgment, that the judgment is going to come upon them. And that's the passage. Uh, it's a very hard passage to uh, listen to. A lot of commentators and a lot of scholars debate 
about whether James is writing to believers or to unbelievers. And I personally believe that he's uh, writing to the church and so even this passage is also written to the believers but it's more in a, a sense of a negative model. It's like this is what you should not be doing. You should not be like this. Uh, so having said that, uh, let's read the passage and we'll pray and we'll go into the message. Uh, so this is what James is writing. So James 5, 1 to 6, that's the passage for us. James 5, 1 to 6. Come now, you rich, weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver have corroded and their corrosion will be evidence against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have laid up treasure in the last days. Behold, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, are crying out against you. And the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. You have lived on the earth in luxury and in self-indulgence. You have fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the righteous person. He does not resist you. Let's close eyes and uh, ask God to help us understand this passage. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this uh, wonderful day that you've given us, a holy day, a day of rest, where we can uh, get away from the cares of our daily life, get away from the responsibilities of our daily life, and come into your presence and worship you and spend time in your presence. Father, we thank you that uh, you have made us worthy to come into your presence because we are not worthy in and of ourselves. So thank you for Jesus who forgives us our sins through his death on the cross. Through him, we have been adopted in your family. Through him, we have the uh, right and the authority to call you Abba, Father. So thank you for that opportunity. Thank you for your word that you have given us that guides us and uh, lights our path. Thank you especially now uh, about for James and what he is writing. I just pray that as we read this passage and as we meditate on this passage, I pray that you would guide us. I pray that your Holy Spirit would come upon each and every one of us and your Holy Spirit would illuminate your passage for us. Lord, I am just a human being. I don't have anything to give. But you are the Lord of all the earth. You are the Lord of life. Your words have life. So I pray right now that you speak. You speak your words of life to this people according to the needs that they have. You speak for all of us are listening. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the main thing that uh, James wants us to remember, the one main point that James wants us to remember is that 
wrong desire for wealth and luxury leads to miseries and sin wrong desire for wealth and luxury leads to misery and sin and the first thing that we see it's in verses 1 to 3 uh, the first thing that he wants us to see is that wrong attitude towards wealth leads us to miseries wrong attitude towards wealth leads to miseries and as we read in our the passage the first three verses he actually starts out by saying in verse 1 come now you rich weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you a weep and howl this is kind of the same language that the old testament prophets would use uh howl is used only here the word for howl uh, is used only here in the new testament it's a kind of a howling that uh, when we are very afraid or when something bad is something really bad is happening and we cannot have any other expression and we start howling that's the kind of howling uh, that's the kind of crying weeping that james is saying the rich will do when they realize what's happening to them and but he talks about the kind of miseries that are coming the there are three things or three kinds of miseries that are coming upon the rich and we see that in verses 2 and 3 the first we see is in verse 2 he says your riches have rotted the second thing we see again in verse 2 it says uh, your garments are moth eaten and the third thing he says your gold and silver have corroded so think about that these are the rich and their wealth he's talking about their wealth and he's saying that your wealth has already gone bad your riches have rotted your garments are moth eaten your gold and silver have corroded now when we think about it normally our clothes do not get moth eaten the only reason our clothes our clothes would get moth eaten is if we do not use them uh the riches a lot of scholars think the riches that is talking about is grain because these are rich farmers and as we read in verse 4 and verse 5 he is talking to the rich farmers or land owners and so when he talks about the riches i have corroded or rotted it's grain that is not being used again he talks about in verse 3 gold and silver have corroded again the idea that we get from here is that this this uh, rich people have so much wealth they've gathered they're gathering wealth they are holding wealth and they're not using it and as a result the wealth that they have they have gathered they have uh, holded is rotting it's corroding and he says that their corrosion will be evidence against you so that's what he's saying is it's showing that the corrosion itself is showing that you're not using the wealth the way you should have been using now remember he's already talked about in james 1 uh, we see in verse 27 where he says religion that is pure and undefiled before god the father is this to visit orphans and widows in their affliction so he's already taught them that you if you have wealth you need to use it to help others especially those in needy but these people are not doing that 
these people, they are rich, but they want to get more and more wealthy. And we probably, all of us know people like that. And we tend to think, when I've read this passage for the first time, that was my thought as well. Ah, this is not for me, I'm not wealthy. I'm not holding wealth. I don't have any wealth to hold. But actually, if we we'll go a little bit deeper, I think all of us are guilty of doing this to some extent or the other. If you come to my home, we have a small home, but if you come to my home, it's full of stuff everywhere. If when we have guests over, we have to move stuff for them to sit. And so that shows me that even I am guilty of this. And probably all of us in one way or the other are guilty of doing this. We can always give things away that we have. Most of the times we tend to give things away that we don't use. What about things we like or the things we think are helpful? Maybe that can also be helpful to somebody else. Probably somebody else needs it more than I do. But if I don't give it, when I see someone who is needy and if I don't help him, I am holding well. And so what James is talking about here at, uh, for us is a mentality, is what is our mentality towards uh, possessions, towards things that we own or things that we have. How do we look at it? And James is trying to give us a negative example about these people, but he's hoping that we don't become like these people. We don't hold wealth. That's what he's trying to tell us. He says, actually, he says, this corrosion will eat your flesh like fire. He's kind of giving us a picture of judgment in hell. That's the picture he's giving them. Just imagine that. That corrosion that we have, when we see it, it's kind of, it will like burning in the fire of hell. That's how bad it could become for us. And so, uh, the first thing that uh, we would like, I would like to encourage us all to understand is not to have this kind of attitude towards wealth. Not to hold things, not to hold wealth. Not to have an attitude of holding. Uh, my grandfather, uh, he's long past, but he had this uh, attitude. Oh, someday we might need this. And so he would always accumulate stuff. Even old stuff, he would not throw it away. Because they would say, oh, someday we might need this. And uh, every three, four years, we would have all this stuff that would all have gone bad. But sometimes we do the same thing. So that's the first thing we see is wrong attitude towards wealth leads to miseries. But more dangerous is when we come to part, the second part of this passage. And here he's talking about how wrong attitude towards wealth leads to sin. Now remember, he's talking about how these rich people, even though they have so much wealth, they still want to hold wealth. 
And so what it results in, as we see in verse 4, he says, Behold, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud. So remember, uh, James is trying to tell us that wrong attitude towards wealth leads to sin and miseries. And the second part he's talking about in verses 4 to 6 is that a wrong attitude towards wealth leads to sin. And here, that sin is that they are not paying the laborers that work in their farms. They are either not paying them properly or they are holding back completely. He says, uh, you kept back by fraud. So they are defrauding the workers. Think about that. These are probably these are believers in the church. And the laborers are also believers because the next passage, he is actually addressing the laborers. And he calls them, uh, if we read verse 7, he says, Be patient therefore brothers until the coming of the Lord. He calls them also brothers. And so uh, even the laborers are Christian. So the landowners are believers, the laborers are believers. And so we have this one group of believers who are mistreating the other group of believers. How bad can it be? But where did it start? It started because they had the wrong attitude towards wealth. It starts, sin always starts from the heart. It starts from our attitude. And that's what we see here. And uh, it says here in verse 4, it says that those wages are crying out against you. The people are crying out, but first, he says, even the wages that you held back are crying out against you. Uh, that is kind of the language we see in Genesis 4, where God says to Cain, he says, the blood of your brother is crying out against you. And he says, the, uh, the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. This is an Old Testament name for God. It's El Shaddai. That's the name that is used here. So it's the Lord powerful, the Lord almighty. And he's saying you are trying to go against that God. James is probably uh, recollecting what Jesus had talked about. Uh, in, in the Summer on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6. But here, uh, and then he says, verse 5, you have lived on the earth in luxury and in self-indulgence. They were holding back uh, the harvester's uh, payment because they wanted to live in luxury. They wanted uh, to live in indulgence. And that is sin. In fact, he says, you have fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. Think about, uh, it's an interesting image that he gives. He's talking about this uh, lamb for slaughter who is fattening himself up. Uh, in the olden times, uh, when, you have, when you had to give an offering to God, they would always give a fattened lamb. So if you fatten yourself up, you're probably going to get slaughtered early. And that's the picture that James is giving them. He says, you're fattening yourself up. 
so that when God comes, you might be the first to be slaughtered. That's the image that is giving them. It says, what good will all that wealth do? If you are defrauding your fellow men, and if their cries reach out to God, what good is your wealth going to do to you? In fact, their sin had become so bad, he says, you have condemned and murdered the righteous person. In the law of Moses, God had given them a law saying that if you, uh, if you ask somebody to work in your field, you have to pay the laborer by the end of the day so that he can buy food for his family. Most laborers in those days would get paid by the end of the day so that then they could go out and buy food for their family. And now here, because these rich landowners were not paying their laborers, they were kind of withholding that money. And it would become difficult for the laborers then to put food on the table for their family. So it's, uh, by doing this, they were kind of condemning them to uh, no food. And maybe if it continues, it might lead to death. So it's kind of a very extreme image that James is giving. But he's saying, he says, you have condemned and murdered the righteous person. He does not resist you. He, he does not have power because he's a poor person. Poor person generally, wherever you go, they don't have any power. It's the rich who have power and authority. Uh, just a, couple, a few days back, uh, in the city where we live, uh, Ahmedabad, there was a very bad accident. A guy, he was driving a Land Rover, uh, crashed into a group of people and killed about 12 of them. And when, they were, uh, when the police came and they started investigating who did this, they found out that the father of that guy who was driving the car already had about 12 different cases against him. But because he was rich, he could pay his way out of trouble. But the poor have, they don't have any means to get their rights fulfilled. And that's what James is talking about. And that's where he ends the passage. That's where he ends uh, addressing the rich. So in a way, He's given all these bad judgments on them. And that's where he ends. So it's kind of a very depressing passage. And that's where I came in and I said, what should we do? And so the application for us then is that what should be our correct attitude towards wealth? And the first thing as we saw, these rich people were holding wealth. They were not using it to help others. So the first thing we learn as a uh, contrary example is that we should not be holding wealth. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6 uh, in the Summer on the Mount. He says, do not lay up treasures for yourself on earth, but lay up treasures for yourself in heaven. And that should be our attitude towards wealth. The first attitude is we should not be holding it, but we should be always willing to use whatever we have, whether we have more, whether we have less. 
but whatever we have, our first attitude should be that we are always willing to uh, help, to use that to help those who are in need. The second thing uh, that we see is not holding back from people what is their due. And this is not just uh, uh, meant for rich people who have people working for them. But even like just a small thing like when we go to a restaurant to eat and what is their due? The due for the people who serve us. Just even a small matter of giving a tip. Give it to them. Uh, another example, again this is uh, from our part in India. Wherever you go, even if you buy vegetables or whatever you go to buy, you tend to bargain for everything. That's a general, whenever you buy, if you don't bargain, it doesn't feel like you have bought anything. That does, just does not give you any joy. You feel happy when you have bargained and brought the price down. But then, uh, most of you know Steve Bickel. And you know that he was in India for some time. And we were visiting him. And he, we went out with him. And he was buying vegetables. And uh, he would ask the price. What's the price for these tomatoes? And they would say, okay, 10 rupees. And instead of giving them 10 rupees, uh, I would say, what? Why 10 rupees? It should be 8 rupees. And he would actually pull out uh, 20 rupees and give it to them. And then he told me, he said, when you go to a mall and you go to a big store, do you bargain with them? And I said, no. He said, those people don't need all that money. They have more, but you don't bargain there. These are poor people. Why do you bargain with them? And it was a completely new way of uh, thinking for me. And that's when, so when I was reading this passage about uh, the, uh, these rich people defrauding uh, and uh, keeping away uh, what they owed. And I don't have people working for me. But that was the thought that came in my mind. Is maybe by doing this kind of things, I have defrauded people. So again, it's not what we have, but it's what is our attitude. And that's the most important thing. Uh, the worship team can come up now. But the last thing that I want to leave you with is the example of our God. Think about our God. We were sinners. He didn't have anything. He probably is the righteous, holy God. And He... He didn't need to do anything for us. Yet, He loved us so much that He was so generous for us that He gave His best. He gave His only begotten Son for us. The best that He had, He gave for us. And God wants that we should follow His example. Most of us, we tend, when we think of giving or when we think of helping, we tend to uh, give away what we don't need or what is useless for us. But that's not what God did. 
he gave his best and that's the attitude that god would want us to have an attitude of generosity an attitude that says no if somebody is in need i will do my best to help that person it doesn't matter how much you have what matters is what is your attitude let's bow down our heads in prayer heavenly father thank you for the example that you have given us an example of generosity such huge generosity that we could never wrap our minds around it and yet though we know that example though we read about it daily we are not generous like you would want us to be thank you that through james you have challenged our attitude towards wealth so i just pray for myself and for your people who are listening to this message right now change our attitude god work in our hearts so that our attitude would become generous like you would want us to be help us that we may not look to hold wealth help us that we may not look to live a life of luxury but help us that we may always be looking for opportunities to help those in need and not just give away things that are of no use to us but even maybe give away things that we need or that we may be using but we may give that away because it would be helpful to the other person help us to become generous like you are in jesus name we pray amen